0: All right, we made it. We made it to the playoffs, sort of, at least the play-in tournament. Brooklyn Basketball Podcast, Evan Roberts, Mike Viseglia. I'm just, I'm kind of glad this regular season's over because let's just face it, this regular season sucked.
1: Yeah, it it really sucked. Um, Underachieving injuries, uh, mandates, keeping track of the mayor's tweets. I mean, things (laughs) that I don't think any of us really anticipated, maybe when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signed. And it, it feels good to be, be behind us. Uh, four straight wins to get the seventh seed. And now, you know, who the hell knows with this squad? Uh, I think anticipation is they win Tuesday night. Uh, but yes, thank goodness it's behind us. And we can just focus on what matters. And that's the playoffs.
0: Yeah, before we get to this playing game or playing games with Cleveland and potentially another one Friday night, just to depress us a little bit more, I went back to our very first podcast oh, we did God. right before the season yeah. to kind of see what we said and what our predictions were. I'm so we <laughs> I think it's totally fair. I really believe in this that we need to hold ourselves accountable for what sure. we predicted and/or said. So we made four predictions. We had the win totals for the Nets, how many games Kevin Durant would play how many games James Harden would play, because as you may recall, he was on the Brooklyn Nets when this season started, and when Kyrie Irving would play basketball again. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's start with Kyrie, because that one at least had a happy ending. He did eventually start to play basketball. It started with just road games, then it obviously ended with him playing all games. You predicted Christmas, so you were not that far off. I mean, didn't he kind of debut... a little bit after that, like second week of January. So
1: you were pretty close. Did I say he'd be back as a full-time player? Or was that a prediction that he would be back as a road player based on the rules? I don't remember what I had said. Honestly, I didn't even differentiate. I mean, it was around there a little bit. Yeah, it was around there. I don't know. Man, Man, it's also
0: blurry, but yeah. You know, know it's funny. The announcement that he was coming back occurred, I think right before Christmas and then or maybe it was right after. You know what? I can't even remember when it happened. The bottom line is you beat me because my answer was never. I thought they were going to go yeah, this entire right. season without like you, It does. No, I, I get it. Uh, we predicted how many games James Harden would play. As you may recall, he was a Brooklyn net at one point. You predicted he would play 71 basketball games with the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets this season.
1: Uh, what was the actual answer? 24? I mean, it end up being maybe more than that? 30 something? <laughs> Holy crap. They it was were, not, that's not it, even close.
0: It was not a big number. It was actually 44 games with Brooklyn, 21 games with Philadelphia. So if you combine them, yeah. you close. get very close. Yeah, that's you got the to point. 65. My prediction was 62. So I was almost spot on if you combine mm. the games. Uh, the other depressing one was how many games Kevin Durant would play. We both had him missing games, just not as many as he ended up missing. I had him playing 68 games. You had him playing 61 games. But when you look at how it ended, Kevin Durant, actually played 55 games. So you were pretty close. You were within six games of it.
1: And that's wild considering that it felt like he missed an eternity, which he did. And then also just uh, even knocks down the point more of how much he's playing now that he is back and he is making up for lost time. That is absolutely true.
0: Well, you, you know what ended up happening? He obviously suffers that injury when Bruce Brown is pushed into him in that game against the Pelicans and misses a significant amount of time. But outside of that, He had the COVID stuff in which he missed three games. And then other than that, he almost played every single game. He had two inactives early in the season where they gave him rest. He hasn't had any rest since he came back from the knee injury. So I think the way we figured it was going to go is that they were going to give him breaks. They were going to rest him on back-to-backs. There was going to be a lot of maintenance. There has been no maintenance for Kevin Durant, especially as you pointed out, the minutes he's played. When you look at how many minutes he's played Going back to the first week of March when he returned against Miami, a game you and I were both at. They lost that game. It was a brutal, brutal loss at home. He's going out and playing almost 40 minutes every single night. So he really has not been maintenance at all.
1: No, that's true. And I think moving forward, when, when we talk about Kevin Durant and how many games he'll play at season, I think you basically just pencil in what this year was and think he's going to miss some games from injury. There'll be a few maintenance games here or there, but I feel like that 55 to 60 mark is where Kevin Durant will be uh, in the future, you know, as a Brooklyn net based on track record. track record now for the past two seasons.
0: Yeah. And you know, they obviously have to win the play in game. Uh, Either one of them, to be honest with you, but assuming that they do, assuming that they're in the actual playoffs, we may look back at the injury and say, wow, that was the best thing that ever happened because he, he hasn't played that much. Like as much as we're going to talk about the minutes he's played over the last month, he still didn't play a whole collection of minutes because he had a respite in the middle of the season. And if you say, yeah, but, but guys, if they get in, they're still the seven seed. They have no home court. Look at this season. They finished under 500 at home and seven games above 500 on the road. And you can't pin all of that on Kyrie Irving. They just were a crappy home team for
1: whatever reason. True, but I will say this let's say Kevin Durant didn't get that time off didn't get injured and I do think that has a trickle down effect of what actually would have happened to James Harden but I won't go down that road I bet you the last couple of weeks of the regular season Durant's getting rest and rest and rest and the Nets are becoming are they going to finish between four through six does home court really matter should we avoid Toronto I bet you it was a different story that would have been told the narrative would have been a little bit different of Durant played he would have been rested and it would have been all right, they're the five seed. They now have to go to Philly, but that's what they wanted. They didn't want to fight for the three so they could be at home versus Chicago. I hope they get what they want. These storylines sound nice. Uh, not what happened. though.
0: He, but, but here's the one thing I'll challenge you on about that. When is Steve Nash ever shown an ability to restrict Kevin Durant's minutes?
1: No, that's true. He hasn't. He,
0: he hasn't. never has. I mean, the only way they've ever really rested Kevin Durant is by flat out resting it by, you know, picking a game in November against the Orlando Magic and saying, hey, Let's rest Kevin Durant. Outside of that, I mean, Steve Nash has pushed him to where even on a night in which he doesn't play 40 minutes, he's playing 35 minutes. He's playing 36 minutes. So I don't know how different it would have been. Look, here's the bottom line. This regular (laughs) season sucked. We expected them to win a lot more games than they did. The James Harden thing was certainly something none of us saw coming at the beginning of the season. I'm happy the Kyrie Irving thing was figured out by the end of the season. But here's the final thing we predicted. You said they'd win 54 games. I'd say they'd win 52 games. They were not close to either of those numbers as they won 44 games. So overall, even though the, the story of, we, of how we got here was so bizarre, it doesn't matter. At the beginning of a season, no. you never know how the story is going to be written. You just make a final prediction like we're doing in baseball at the beginning of the season. The Mets are going to win 89 games. We don't know how the hell they're going to get there. But that's the prediction. So we both thought they'd win 50-plus games. They won 44 games. If I would have told you that in November or October, you would have slapped me across the face.
1: And what's so crazy about all this, and I wouldn't have slapped you, I'm not that kind of person, but what is also crazy about it is they set the home, excuse me, they sent the road record for wins in the franchise. Typically, when a team wins the most games they ever had on the road, it shows that they have toughness, that they can play defense, that they're a good team that can take the ability to go on the road and withstand crowds. None of that's true. They stink at home. They don't play defense. And they were <laughs> abysmal in front of their home court. And they only finished with 44 wins. The two teams that went to the NBA Finals with the Nets, that were two of the best teams in franchise history, didn't have this amount of road wins. But they were dominant at home. So it's such a bizarre season. And a big a big part of that, of course, is Kyrie Irving not playing in you know, 98% of the home games. That plays a big impact. But even beyond that, they were better on the road. They were just lack of energy, whatever it was. team just sucked when they were at the Barkley Center.
0: So here's what's going to be so fascinating about this game Tuesday night in Brooklyn, maybe tonight if you're listening on Tuesday. All year long, they've done exactly what you just said, where there hasn't really been a sense of urgency. You know, sometimes in moments like that game against Philadelphia, they came out on a mission. The game against right. Miami in Miami, they came out on a mission. The final glance at the big three, the original big three in Chicago, where they dominated that second half. But for the most part, even over the last few weeks where these games have mattered, they haven't come out and played 48 minutes of urgency. I think in the back of our minds, we've thought, hey, when the games really matter, not just a regular season game against the Houston Rockets, but the games really matter, they're going to come out and they're going to show that effort for 48 minutes. That's what's going to be so fascinating about this game against Cleveland. They are clearly a better team. I mean, we could break down the roster. We can break down the matchups, especially without Jared Allen. The Nets are a far superior basketball team. But the worry I have is the same worry you have. And that's they're not going to give an F because for most of the season, especially at home, they've come out and given these lackluster efforts. Does it all of a sudden change because it says
1: play in game? don't and that maybe that's the pessimist in me but the way they've been this season it feels like because this is sick but because they know they have a loss they can play with I don't anticipate them to come out with that kind of urgency I really don't and it pains me to say that and I'm, I'm troubled by it because the importance of getting this win and moving on and going to play the Celtics and getting locked into a best out of seven series win the playoffs that are the real playoffs I have been down this road with this squad where when especially at home, Evan. Like, but when they're on the road, maybe I'd feel this is but this is nuts. But because of how they've been, if they were in Cleveland, I would expect them to come out with more urgency. But because they're at home, I expect the Nets to just like they did with the Pacers, a quick little burst to start where they're energetic. But then, as the first quarter comes to a close and the second quarter starts, there's going to be this like lull. I, I anticipate it. I'd be stunned if the Nets came out and had one of these efforts where it's 110, 93 is the final. Nets, uh, coast to coast, get the victory, and they'll be in Boston. And then you, know, oh, the, the Nets, the champion favorites. I, I would be stunned to see one of those kind of games.
0: Well, because we, we haven't. I mean, that's the crazy part. You know, I know that they ended up beating Indiana by eight. That was a close game. They blew a 18-point lead. The game against Cleveland, sure, they ended up winning by 11. They blew a huge lead, and in both games, they got off to pretty quick starts. We know about the Nick game erasing a huge deficit despite winning by 12. The Rockets game, they won by 13. But if you watch these games, and I assume anyone listening to this watches all these games, these games were not as easy as the final score indicates. So really, you got to go back to the game in Miami, which was almost a month ago. For the last time, we saw just a complete dominating effort. So it's just, it's few and far between where we've seen them put together 48 kick-ass minutes. But what do you
1: think? Would you, I, I, are you on that page? You don't expect them to, you know, come out and, and get that kind of dominance no. or the same crap?
0: No. I mean, I... I've seen too much, and maybe we're we're biased in the negative sense in that because we're watching every second, because we're watching every game. Look, I expect a lot of people in the national media or even like diehard basketball fans, but they're not watching every minute of the Nets to look at the four-game winning streak and look at the final scores and say, okay, they beat the Rockets by 13, they beat the Knicks by 12, they beat the Cavs by 11, and sure, they beat Indiana by eight. And in their mind, you would look at that and say, oh, yeah, they kicked ass. Oh, yeah, they they flipped a switch after the Atlanta game. We watched them. Did you get a sense that a, a switch was flipped over these last no. four games?
1: No, none. And, and, you know, the Nets were up 18 to start the third quarter versus the Pacers, and all of a sudden all this game is tied, and Indiana, I believe, had two chances and missed open jumpers to take the lead. It's the same crap every game in that Rocket game. You're looking at this team and going, the Houston Rockets just you know, have minimal NBA talent. This thing should be over in the second quarter. The Nick game, thank God, in the second half, they ramped it up and started to play good defense. The Knicks missing free throws, the Nets playing D, and boom, away we go. They get this big victory, but that's what scares me. It's this mindset that they think they can turn it on, and eventually, with that mindset, you will get burned. And when it's a play-in, you, you get burned once, now twice, It is over, and it's just its mind-numbing that a team could have that kind of arrogance when you're not that good, and I don't say not that good in the potential, but not that good in where you are as a seed. That, to me, is crazy, but then again, I don't have the kind of confidence that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have. I'm not saying Kevin Durant dogs it because he gives multiple effort all the time, but it's like there's just something – I don't I can't figure out why there can't be more urgency and why there can't be more defensive cohesion cohesiveness with this team it 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 it, it bothers me Ke, a lot Ke,
0: Kevin Durant uh, amazes us every time we watch him I mean you look at the game against Indiana in which he has an off shooting day but you see him dropping dimes like he never has before the court vision that he showed finding the open man he was he was brilliant I mean so even on nights or days in which he doesn't have his shooting touch, which is rare, because for the most part, Kevin Durant is an offensive juggernaut, as we've seen, you get a great appreciation for the other ways he can help your team win, and hey, look, pound for pound, he's their best defensive player. I mean, he really is, and he is so important to this team's team defense. So, uh, look, I think this season has been so weird. It's been so topsy-turvy. It's nice to know that they're as healthy as they can be, I ignore Ben Simmons' existence, by the way. I've got to the point where I don't even think about him being on this basketball team. So when I say they're healthy, I mean Seth Curry's playing. I mean Goran Dragic has finally been cleared from health and safety. That's what I mean by healthy, because I can't even think of Ben Simmons. When that report came out the other day, Ben Simmons may be ready for the first round of the playoffs. I rolled my eyes. I couldn't even get excited about it, because unlike when we were waiting on reports of Uh, anyone else coming back from injury, you know, last year with all the different injuries they had, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie was never really hurt, but Kyrie's obviously had his injuries. You're anticipating it because you're so excited to see something again. We've never seen Ben Simmons with the net. So it's, it's almost tougher to get excited about a return that I don't even know what it's going to look like.
1: I don't know if it's excited about a return, but for me, I fell for it, Evan, and I love it. And I when I see it and, and, what I saw from Joe Harris, how we were let on, we were let on, and then we had the big letdown, and ultimately Joe's not back this season. I, in my head, thought that same scenario was going to play out for Ben Simmons. So when I see now these reports, which are all calculated and everything's everything's timed, that he is in the ramping up mode, I got a little excited about it, and I, and I got a little jolt of energy. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? What is he there for? I mean, he has no experience with this team and he's going to be thrown out there and it could be a disaster. Who knows? I mean, it, it's almost impossible to predict, but just the thought of him coming out there and being there, it gives me a jolt of excitement. It does. So I, I, I feel like if it gives me that kind of excitement, it'll give the players that kind of excitement. And yeah, I, I think you're going to see Ben Simmons 15 to 20 minutes In game two, if knock on wood, they get there, make his debut versus Boston. I'm a sucker for it. I can't help it.
0: I'd be interested to see what that rotation looks like, because if you go back to the Indiana game, the last regular season game, Steve Nash played eight guys, okay? Really played seven guys because Cam Thomas played for a handful of minutes. So he has really, really tightened the rotation to the point where LaMarcus Aldridge is sort of an afterthought. We've barely seen LaMarcus. Blake Griffin's been completely buried, even though when he does get a chance to play, he actually contributes. Now, they played eight guys on Sunday, and they did it without Seth Curry, and they did it without Goran Dragic. So you add those two guys in, you probably cut off Cam Thomas, so he's not going to play, and you probably cut down the minutes of Patty Mills. All right, so that's how you're going to end up playing essentially nine guys, maybe eight guys but you're going to cut down minutes. I mean, Kessler Edwards played nearly 40 minutes. That's not going to be the case either. If Ben Simmons comes back, who is he taking the minutes away from? Because Bruce Brown needs to play. Bruce Brown has earned playing 35 minutes a night. I mean, he's been unbelievable defensively. He blocks at least two shots a game. Uh, He now has hit his three and he's taken it with confidence. Obviously that's not something you could use in the same sentence with Bruce, uh, with Ben Simmons. So, I guess he cuts down Kessler's minutes. Maybe they go small, quote unquote. But I'd be curious to see if he does play who he's really slicing the minutes into.
1: Yeah. And when Patty Bills was on fire early in the season, he was making all those three-point shots and really carrying the nets in a lot of ways. Uh, and helping them that Toronto game where they were missing everybody because of COVID, and Bruce Brown was out of the rotation, couldn't even see the floor. If I said to you when the regular season's over, you had, you would have more faith in Bruce Brown's corner threes than Patty Mills. That's another moment you go, that sounds absolutely crazy. I do think Evan, as we've seen in the last couple of games, Steve Nash has started to go a little smaller. I think you'll see lineups where Ben's the five, Durant's the four, Bruce is the three. Seth, the two, and then you put, uh, obviously, Kyrie at the one. I bet you see lineups like that. Now, again, this would be playing in the moment and and experimenting, which is scary, but I could see Simmons playing the five where you just go small, but of his versatility in in defense and switching, if he's healthy, that you'd feel comfortable with that, and and you put him at center.
0: Well, one thing that at least warms me up about Ben potentially coming back or not even coming back debuting for this team is if they beat Cleveland on Tuesday and they're matched up with Boston, you think back to that game in yep. Boston, that's the real game you think about. Cause obviously the other Celtic net meetings were different than what the playoffs would be like in terms sure. of who's playing for the nets. I mean, there was that one game where they were down 31 to two in Brooklyn <laughs> God, and no, no one was playing. And I was there that night. That was depressing, but Ben Simmons could have only helped slow down Jason Tatum that afternoon in Boston. So even if he slows him down just a touch and Tatum's going to get his, I mean, he is having an MVP caliber season. He's not going to win the MVP award to me. That is Joel Embiid. I think he deserves it, especially because he's carrying that piece of crap, James Harden, who sucks more on that later. Um, even if you can just slow him down a tad, that would be a big help. So right out of the gate, they could use him in that Boston series because of the year. Jason Tatum's having
1: yeah, it's crazy how, how good Tatum has been. And if you look, I don't count those games versus the Nets-Celtics when, they, like you said, I mean, when James Johnson was the point forward and was the integral part of the offense, those games don't count. Ugh, I'm going to do this, and this is not me. I hate doing this. But the time the Celtics have beaten the Nets in big spots, it's when Tatum goes for 50. Look at last year's playoffs. The Nets beat him 4-1. to Different team this year. I get the whole thing. But it took Tatum to go for 50. Nets get Kyrie and Durant back. Nets go into Boston, tight game. Tatum goes for 54. So if you could bring a Simmons in and he could play a Jason Tatum, and like you said, not slow him down, but he scores 38. He scores 43. And those 10 to 12 points don't happen. Maybe it's a big difference because the Nets play Boston well in the playoffs of uh, last year and uh, have a history. And maybe that doesn't matter ultimately, but, you look at what that slowing of him down just a smidge. If Tatum doesn't go for 50, Celtics aren't winning those games. It's a big difference. The, the
0: thing that's so scary about Boston, if the Nets win on Tuesday, is that over the last, I'd say, three months, they're the best team in basketball. I mean, they, they truly are, and they've got enough impressive victories where you can say that it's not them just beating up on bad teams. But I think if you go back to the mid part of the season, when they were right around 500, because that's where they were for a while, they were a 500 team. They were, in fact, I'm going to pull it up right now. So I have the numbers to back me up. They were 25 and 25 on January 28th, wow. 25 and 25. They finished 51 and 31. So you do the math or I'll do the math. Yeah. 26 and six <laughs> over their last 32 games. And a lot of those wins we're just beating the crap out of opponents. So I guess it scares me how well they're playing. And this is obviously a different team than a year ago when the Nets took on Boston a year ago, especially with Jalen Brown being banged up. They were just, they were a wounded dog. And to me, it was even disappointing that they lost the game in that series to Boston. This is just a very, very different Celtic team, not just Jason Tatum, I think at an even higher level, but they're just a better team right now than the nets we may be more talented but they're a better team
1: and kudos to odoka who wanted to play him he basically said before the game versus the met versus the grizzlies like we're gonna go after it. we don't give a crap we're, we, we're not scared of the nets if, if the nets are there let's just do it i do think the robert williams injury does play a factor and he has given the Nets fits yes over the last year plus i mean he has been such a pain in the ass with defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds Block shots so you feel a little better about him not being there but you're right people the celtics are 26 and 6 over the last you know 30 games i mean that's like a 66 68 win pace that is simply remarkable um and their confidence is through the roof i've been so impressed with jason tatum he scares me on the yannis level of people i don't want to see in the playoffs I guess if you're gonna win a championship, you're gonna have to go through this crap. He's that good and he's that scary. And for him, he's starting to get into that role where, okay, he, you know, he got to the, um, he lost, lost to LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals, but he was just a rookie. Now he's becoming more of the authoritative type and taking lead. And he's gone through some playoff lumps last year. You know, if you're telling the stories in your head of Jason Tatum becoming the guy, the face, one of the faces of the NBA. You could see last year he lost to the Nets and I do this where I'm already coming up with scenarios of the Nets are there. <laughs> now he beats the Nets. Kyrie Irving can't do it. And he gets his revenge. But, but in all actuality, you see his development and growth and he's, he's, he's a star man. He definitely, definitely is.
0: Look, sometimes you need to, as a young player, you need to struggle. You need to be beaten. You need to take a step back before you take that really big leap into superstardom I I think the encouraging thing is and I was in the building that afternoon in Boston when the Nets played the Celtics my first chance to see Kyrie Irving this season on the road yeah um they needed a superstar performance by Jason Tatum like you talked about he was eight for 15 from three drops 54 and Kyrie Irving in this game was very very mediocre and so you combine those two things and it was still a game that was winnable late it was still a game that the Nets had a chance to steal so I guess that's an encouraging thing that they needed 54 from Jason Tatum and an off performance by Kyrie to hold them off. But this is just a much better Celtic team. Now, one thing I want to point out because I didn't even realize this on Sunday as the Milwaukee Bucks were ducking the Brooklyn Nets, because clearly that's what they were doing. And I don't really have a problem with that. We as net fans saw the Nets do that years ago where they ducked the Chicago Bulls to take on the Toronto Raptors in the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce season. So, it happens. I saw the Islanders do it a few years ago as well. I'm not even criticizing it, uh, but that's what the Bucs did. Let's just call it out. They didn't want to play the Brooklyn Nets. They dropped down a three. So apparently because of the tiebreaker situation, bro, if the Celtics had lost to Memphis, they wouldn't have dropped to three. They would have dropped a four and dropping to four would have meant a first round series against the Toronto Raptors. And we are unsure about who is and who isn't vaccinated when it comes to the Boston Celtics. So there's a decent chance. Odoka saying to himself, I'd rather deal with the nets where we know everybody's available as opposed to the whole messy situation with the Toronto Raptors. So, I don't think it's the Celtics saying, oh, yeah, bring on the Nets. I think it may have also been looking at the other potential situation, which would have been exposing whoever the hell else is on the Celtics that's unvaccinated and them not having those guys available for games three, four, and six.
1: And that's nuts if that would be the case, that you can't go to said player because of that. And it's just part of this new world of sports fandom where these are things you have to think about. I mean, we're going to experience it in baseball as Mets or Yankee fans going to Toronto and now learning who can and cannot play. And it's just such a wrinkle for things. And I think for the net fan, they are so jaded by it because the whole season got exposed with Kyrie Irving, obviously being the face of this that he can't play in Brooklyn, but other road players could come in. So now like other teams experiencing and manipulating it and changing it, if that is the case, it's just so, it's just so funny to get here, especially if you're a net fan, because you know, the BS, that had uh, occurred all year in trying to get Kyrie back.
0: Isn't it, you know, for the time being, because you never know how this thing is going to play out for the time being. And and by the way, we would sign for this, because it means we've advanced a couple of rounds that we don't have to deal with this, Um, that we weren't after all this matched up with the Toronto Raptors in the play-in game, which seemed like a legitimate possibility for a while, or even in a first round series, where now all of a sudden without home court advantage, There's no Kyrie Irving after we thought we were past it. I I think when you look at the bracket, both of us would sit here and say, look, if we're matched up with the Toronto Raptors at some point, we'll sign for it because even though there's no Kyrie Irving, that would mean either the Eastern conference finals or the Eastern conference semifinals. And I think at this point, as we're staring at a play-in game, sure, sign me up for the Kyrie Irving situation, but it is nice to see other teams dealing with it after it's something that kicked our ass all year because You know, we talked earlier about how different this season would have been if Kevin Durant was, you know, available and hadn't missed the weeks that he'd missed. Well, it's the same thing with Kyrie Irving, where if Kyrie Irving was available since Jump Street, this whole season is completely different, including potentially not trading James Harden.
1: Yeah, I I believe if that happened, James Harden's here, and maybe it's a blessing in disguise when it's all said and done that he got dealt for long-term future and for this year. Getting Curry and getting Drummond, and then and if Ben Simmons can come back, maybe that's you know a bright spot, and it all worked out and how it was supposed to, and only time will tell for the short term and the long term different story. And if the Nets are going to win a championship, and if they can get past Cleveland, I mean, in there the seven seed, they're basically going to have to beat the two, three, one or four. I mean, they're going to have to go through the gauntlet of the big bad Eastern Conference, which is the Celtics. And I, and I believe the Bucs will win, and then it's the Heat or the Sixers. I mean, that's they're they're going to have to go through the toughest teams. That there there is nothing easy with this. Well, do, don't you get through this?
0: Don't you think a big part of why that's occurring is that just the Eastern Conference is better. The Boston sure. Celtics are significantly better than they what they were a year ago, as we discussed. Uh, The Chicago Bulls obviously are now a playoff team. I think I'd even argue the Sixers are better because Joel Embiid is better because Joel Embiid is playing at a level that we've never seen from him. He's always been a really, really good player. You may even say a great player, but the season he's having this year is out of its world. So despite all the questions around James Harden, if you want to compare him to Ben Simmons a year ago, not having some of the bench pieces like Seth Curry, when you have a superstar player, playing at an even higher level, I'd argue that this Sixer team is better than last year's Sixer team squarely because of him. Miami's clearly a better team, and the Bucs are a better team. I mean, think about what we said about Milwaukee a year ago. They had a lot to prove. Giannis had a lot to prove, and they went out and proved it to their credit. They may have been helped out by the injuries the Nets had, but they proved it. Giannis is now a finals MVP, so the Bucs are better. The Heat are better. The Celtics are better. I think beat is a lot better. And so because of that, even if we sat here and said, hey, look at the net roster, aren't we better? You know, they, they at the end of that playoff road had Kevin Durant and half of James Harden. When you look at the roster right now with Patty Mills, with Seth Curry, with a big like Andre Drummond, with Claxton playing the way he's playing, with Bruce Brown playing the way he's playing, with a healthy Kyrie Irving, I could totally see the argument, hey, this team's better than a year ago. And that may be the case but so is everybody else. And that's the difference.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, look at Atlanta last year. This team, the, the Atlanta Hawks were in the Eastern Conference finals last year, and now they're fighting for their lives in the 9-10 game to sink that much lower. The whole East is better, and that's why I agree with you before. I don't blame Milwaukee like for wanting to drop to the three and playing the Bulls, which right now would appear to be the worst team in the East the way they've been playing with their injuries, they're not very good. You're sitting from a Milwaukee perspective, and you're going, all right, we could see the Bucs in the first round, or we could see, let's say, the Nets in the first round. Okay, if the Celtics beat the Nets, we do have to go on the road to Boston, but we don't have to deal with that for a best of seven early. And then if the Nets were to beat the Celtics, we get to see the Nets in the second round with home court as opposed to the first round. It makes logical sense from a Milwaukee standpoint. Uh, you know, if you're the two or the three and you get to see the Nets or you get to see the worst team in the East right now, that's reeling in the Bulls that have just been a disaster. And this is a different Bulls team that what started the season, just like it's a different Cavs team. I, I can't blame Milwaukee at all for wanting to say, screw this. Let's take the three.
0: All right. Now, speaking of screw this, isn't it safe to say, and I, I may regret ever making this comment, but it's true. When you look at the Eastern conference bracket, Aren't the Brooklyn Nets better off losing to Cleveland Tuesday and then winning the second play-in game on Friday night to become the eight seed and get matched up with Miami in the first round and then potentially the winner of Philadelphia, Toronto? Isn't that the better route?
1: Yeah, I love that. Let's take the loss. Let's go in a one-game playoff. (laughs) Let's go up against Trey Young. I think that's a great idea. Let's let him go off and let's take our chances in one game. Good call. Love it. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, I'm not suggesting that. I know. I, I'm being sarcastic.
0: Okay, because look, I'm gonna sit there at Barkley Center on Tuesday night scared. All right, it's gonna feel like game seven against Milwaukee. I'm gonna be hiding under my chair. So I, I am gonna treat this game as if hey, they lose their done. Okay. I'm just saying rationally right now, would you not agree that the, the route agree. of Miami? And then Philly or Toronto is a much easier route than Boston, the hottest team in the NBA over the last two months, followed by not in all likelihood, guaranteed, because they're beating Chicago and they're going to beat them quickly. The defending NBA champions. Of course, that that route is 50 times
1: more difficult than the route of being the eight seed. I would agree with that, but it doesn't matter. And you know this too. You just can't play with one game and that's the beauty of stepping up and being the 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 beautiful seven seed you get that there's no shot of of falling there and and honestly too i love the idea of kevin durant getting five days four days rest where if they were to win tuesday night that he doesn't play till sunday i think his i think that's a huge deal to help him out I saw the end of that game versus Indiana and you alluded to this in the beginning of the podcast, how good defensively Kevin Durant's been. That was the first game. And he still had some nice plays where it looked like he was getting beat off the dribble and he was a step slow. And I just think that's just being tired. Uh, And I love the idea of giving him some rest and giving him four to five days off. Yes. I like the Miami route with either Philly or Toronto second round but you can't, you can't, you can't mess with that. No,
0: you got to get it. You got it. And the, the other thing that would suck is if they can't beat the Cleveland Cavaliers at home in a game, that's supposed to matter without their best defensive player in Jared Allen with Evan Mobley back, you know, basically I think this will be his third game back. Karis Levert has not fit well yet with Cleveland. If that's a team you can't beat at home, even if you do survive against Atlanta or Charlotte, what the hell does that say about this team? Yeah. No, so, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's just, it's sort of tantalizing seeing it out there that that route, that's a route I'd have confidence in. If you told me, hey, Nets are matched up with Miami, I think we win that series. We're matched up against Philly or Toronto, even Toronto. I think we win that series. The Toronto one's kind of scary, actually, <laughs> the more you think about it. Well, but, yeah. but right now, I'm going to be honest with you, and maybe my view may alter if they blow out Cleveland. It shouldn't. I don't think they're beating the Celtics. I don't think they're beating Milwaukee, especially after the way the Bucs beat the Nets a few weeks ago. That was such a kick-in-the-ball kind of loss where they're blowing a nine-point lead with two and a half minutes ago and no one's boxing out Wes Matthews. I know Kevin Durant's final shot rattled in and out, but my God, how the hell do you blow a lead like that at home? I think it's just the seeds in my head of, I don't think the Nets are
1: beating those teams. Yeah, no, those losses were so bad. They play in your head. My bigger fear is it's just their defense. And their lack of intensity have been so putrid. I can't see them being able to sustain that for a whole series. That's the issue. Like they can have moments where they'll beat Boston or they could beat Milwaukee, but it's like to withstand that for a whole series. Yeah. That's the part I just, I can't see in my head, the good nets showing up for the next three months, there will be pockets, but there's too much of the bad nets that I think show up. And I, and that's why I do get hope from Ben Simmons that he can fill the gaps where the bad Nets show up. They don't play defense. All of a sudden there's wide open threes and there's guys on the Indiana Pacers that you have to look up. And you're like, thank you, Ian Eagle, for telling me he was on Syracuse three years ago. Those are, those are the moments I'm <laughs> like, what is happening here? Like, I can't see the good Nets being that consistent. Like last year, we talked about the Nets. Well, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. And people would say, when they're together, they can win, but they just can't stay healthy together. And ultimately, everybody was right. They couldn't stay healthy together, and Milwaukee beat them. I can't see the Nets of the good version withholding for the next three months. I think too much of the bad shows up, and and, and that's the, the big failure.
0: Uh, you mentioned James Harden's name, and they're panicking in Philadelphia. And I totally get why, because James Harden's production since going to Philadelphia is down compared to what he did with the Nets. Just just let that sink in. For the most part, his numbers are down. He's shooting at a lower field goal percentage. He is shooting at a lower three-point field goal percentage. His ability to get to the line, which, you know, I guess is still good overall, is not what it used to be. His explosion has not really come back. Like, he's a crafty guy, don't get me wrong, and he can certainly sit up his teammates and has great vision, But you just look at the numbers. He's the same guy. So I ask you this. (laughs) Forget Ben Simmons, because we haven't seen him play yet for the Brooklyn Nets. If you took away Seth Curry and you took away Andre Drummond, two guys who are very important on this roster right now, would the Nets be better off with the James Harden that we've seen for 65 games this season? A little spurt when he was traded to Philadelphia at first, but for the most part, the same guy. You know, the same guy that shot 41% from the field, 33% from three, getting to the free throw line down from his career numbers. Bottom line, he's getting to the line eight times a game. He used to get to the line 11 times a game. Would the Nets be better off with James Harden, or are they better off with what we have now, not including Simmons,
1: Curry and Drummond? Not including Simmons, no. I think including Simmons whole different conversation as it should be because he was the centerpiece of the trade, 25 year old, three-time all-star. That's why they made the trade. That was the big part of it. Uh, But, but no. And I, and I know Harden's production is down and it's easy to pick on him and it's easy to hate him because of what he did to get himself out of there, how he tanked games, but when he's engaged and you can make him the third star along with Kyrie and Durant, I think that changes everything a little bit. Now, I also think if if he's there, maybe they add a third shooter. They get another guy to Seth Curry, and with the production of Nick Claxton, he's getting bigger minutes, and you feel good about that. And then Lamarcus Aldridge is back in the rotation. Maybe they go out and get another big because I don't think that Sean Marks would have stayed pat or stayed put with what they had. Uh, as much as it pains me to say this, again, no Simmons. I think you get Simmons. It's a whole different conversation because of what he can be. But no Simmons, I think they're better with Harden. All right. What's going to happen in the playing game against Cleveland? It's going to be an
0: ugly win. Is it going to be a devastating loss? Are we going to just pummel them? Like,
1: what's your gut? I think the Nets are going to win, but it won't be pretty. It's going to be a pain in the ass. It's going to be stressful. You'll be hiding under your seat. You'll be biting your stress ball. We'll all be, you know, scared. I'll be covering my eyes. The whole deal. Um, Man, but I can't. I, I them losing at home and after beating them recently that would be such a gut punch uh, I'll give a little optimism I think they get the win versus Cleveland and uh, you know we can all start dreaming about what's next
0: yeah I, I I hate to say they're gonna win because I know the feeling I'm gonna have Tuesday night at about 9 45 if they lose this game at home to Cleveland but well. Yeah, I I don't know why I've got some level of confidence. And I I just wonder, like, if they win ugly, you know, kind of the way they beat Indiana, the way they beat Houston a couple of weeks ago, dare I say, the way they beat the Knicks going down by 20 and coming back, I think we'll have the same attitude going into the Boston series like this. God. And I love this team, but I hate this team all in one breath. If they pummel them, and I know that hasn't happened in a very long time at home. In fact, I was rocking my brain to think of the most complete home effort we've seen in a long time.
1: Great question.
0: And you know what I came up with? It's prior to Kyrie, which is amazing, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of the question, essentially, because since Kyrie's come back, I mean, think about the games they've played at home. You know, first of all, the game against Charlotte, which I got to tell you, I was stunned they lost. I went into that building. It had an electric atmosphere. They had a double-digit lead in the first half. I'm still floored they lost that game. Like that, that really, really surprised me. And, you know, you think I'm a negative guy, but I went into that game thinking, oh, we got this, especially after what happened a few weeks earlier in Charlotte. So I'm still kind of floored. They lost that game. So think about it. All your home games, you got that game, the win against Detroit, which was ugly, the loss against the Bucks, the win against the Rockets and the wins against Cleveland and Indiana. If you want Kyrie involved, none of those wins were impressive. I don't feel good about any of those wins.
1: What what was, what was the best win? You ready? It? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. The best win they had. I'm scared because I think I know the answer. Is it the game Durant got hurt?
0: No, I wasn't going to say that one, the Pelican game. It's actually a more recent game. Okay. And, and even though they, they sort of made it dicey, I'm trying to remember how they had a big lead and they completely outplayed the Utah Jazz. Remember that yeah, game?
1: That's true. Yeah, good point.
0: And that was a a net team with, you know, it was the Kevin Durant-led Nets. I mean, Seth Curry got hurt in that game. I think that's where he had one of his ankle issues. So it was really Durant, it was Bruce Brown, Patty Mills, Nick Claxton played well. Uh, I'm trying to think who else played well in that game, but it was a Durant-led win against Utah. And I thought in a lot of ways, you know, obviously Utah has struggled since, so maybe that view should change. But look, Donovan Mitchell—they held to an off-shooting night. Rudy Gobert was a disaster; got completely outplayed by Big Nick. I thought, in ways, that was their most complete game—the win against the Utah Jazz. But that's the Kyrie wasn't even there. It was just the Kevin Durant-led Nets.
1: Yeah, and that—that's that true, though. That is like right when Utah started to go on their tailspin and have all their issues and their losing streak. They were on a big East Coast swing there. Uh, no, there has not been. There has not been a great home win with Kyrie and he has been so Jekyll and Hyde since he's been back and been full-time and playing Hogan games. He either has games like last night where he goes 15 of 20 and he's incredible and he's got some of the most amazing transition layups you've ever seen in your life, or he's eight for 24, nine for 27. And there's been nothing in between with Kyrie Irving. It's been, Oh my goodness gracious. This guy is one of the best I've ever seen to boy, he's taking a lot of shots and he's missing a lot. And there's, there's been nothing in it well, in the middle with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at the game against the Knicks. He didn't have a great shooting performance. The game against Cleveland. He didn't shoot the ball. Well, the game against the box. He didn't shoot the ball. Well, the game against Charlotte, his return game, he didn't shoot the ball. Well, so I think one conclusion you could jump jump to is that, you know, Kyrie Irving is also playing almost 40 minutes a night especially since he's become a full-time guy where he hasn't missed a game. And and by the way, the last time Kyrie Irving didn't play a game for the Nets was that Utah game. That was actually the last time because then they went on the road. He got cleared. He plays that game again. Charlie's played every game. He's playing 40 minutes a night. I think that's what it's connected to. The fact that when you're a part-time player and yeah, you may be playing 40 minutes, but you're not doing it on a consistent basis because you have home games mixed in. So you're very rarely playing that often. Sometimes you're playing once a week. I think it's easier to be fresher. It's easier to be, you know, I guess the guy that we saw. But if you look at his numbers since he started to play every single game, which started that game in Memphis, then the game in Miami, his numbers are way down. The hope is they win Tuesday. You give them a couple of days. There's no back-to-backs in the playoffs. This is one of the first times where when the playoff schedule comes out, and all we know is, I guess, if they advance – whether as the 7th seed or the 8th seed, their playoff game would be Sunday. Game one would be Sunday either at Miami or at Boston. I'm rooting for as many off days as possible, and usually I don't think that way. It's, give me basketball every other day. Let's go, let's go. But I think with this team,
1: give me as many off days as possible. Absolutely, and if you think back to three weeks ago, I don't know exactly the timeline, but where the Nets were and they were fighting and the 9 seed was possible. We didn't know Kyrie Irving was coming back. To know that the Nets are the seven, Kyrie's full-time, Kevin seems healthy, and Ben Simmons is reported that he will be back, as awful as all this season was, you said it when we started this thing. They're in the best spot they've been in months, (laughs) and it's not great, but at least it's better than where it's been, where there's a little bit of hope that something can happen.
0: Yeah, look... Life and sports sometimes is about perspective. It's about where your expectations are. Just like if I told you, if we had a conversation in 2018 and I'm telling you, oh yeah, by the way, in 2022, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving would be Nets. We'd ask no other question. We'd be ecstatic at the beginning of this season. No, we would not be happy with the seven seed and 44 wins. But if you go down to, uh, you know, I'd even go back to the game against the Celtics in Boston where they lost that game in Boston, they dropped under 500. They're sitting there a game under 500. Kyrie Irving is still not back full time. I was starting to be even more negative that he's never coming back full time. Uh, they could drop down a nine, 10. There was even a thought of, oh my God, they could drop out of the playoffs entirely to know a Kyrie's back for every single game unless they go to Toronto. And Toronto is not involved in this. And they have home court advantage. Yeah, it's, it's, It's actually turned out to be the best case scenario. If we dropped down from an airplane a month ago. Now, if we're doing this six (laughs) months ago, this is an effing disaster. But a month ago, yeah, to have the seven seed, Uh, to have Kyrie available. Sure.
1: Pinch me. I'm so happy. Yeah. Let's go. whoop de damn do The Nets are in the playoffs. Well, the (laughs) plan. Kind of.
0: whoop damn do All right, man. It's been a pleasure. We'll check in again after this ends. Either our season will end dramatically with back to back losses at home, or we'll get set for a first round playoff series. Uh, you could follow Mike at Mike Delivers Pod. And of course, he's got a wildly popular podcast, The Bad Weather Fans, with that Nick fan at Nick right. Central. And you guys do a fantastic job.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Obi Toppin, really coming along. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're done now. We don't have to worry about them anymore, all right? They closed yeah. the regular season. Nice. Obi dropped 40. IQ's going triple-double crazy. Leon Rose does a state-run interview on their network. Good. Now you're done till the draft. Shut up. Sit in the corner and watch us play basketball. Got it? Good. All right, Mike. Good talking. Yeah. You. Thank you, everybody, me. for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.